going on, everybody? It has been a long time since we've done a show. In case you didn't already know, I am your loudmouth, cynical, LAFC-loving, sultan of the shoey, Christian Philly Philemon, and with me as always, the yin to my yang, the gin to my juice, the black to my gold, the whiskey in my coffee, the Julius to the peppers, the man who keeps the show on the rails when I try to force them off the tracks, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. That's right. I am back, everybody. And there's no Sudafed, no Theraflu, no Tylenol. No robo-tripping. No, 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 no Dimatap. None of that good stuff. No, I am back and healthy and better than ever. So happy to be back here in beautiful Burbank, California at world-famous Philomonster Studios. Love this place. I love what you've done with the place, Philly. We've got some new accoutrements on the wall. We've got some new scarves. We've got a lot of LAFC stuff here up on the wall. It's looking good in here. Thanks, man. I had the time to decorate the place. I had so many scarves, and I was trying to organize them in the closet, and I thought to myself, you know what? I need to put some of them on the wall. So I did that. Finally put up that Gaza jersey my dad got me. Finally put up some more scarves from other clubs. I mean, it's looking pretty good in here. I think it's just another good way of insulating the sound and making this place look as beautiful as we portray it to be. Did you say you have too many scarves? Is that what you said? I just want to be clear. All right. Compared to you, nobody has too many <laughs> scarves. You, my friend, have too many. You were what? Almost triple digits in no, the no, no, inaugural sir. season? We have passed triple digits now. We are well over 100, I believe. 105 LAFC scarves so far in the collection. Anyways. You slacking, boy. Didn't I, you have that number like the first season? No, no, no. I was at 49 after the first season. I was one away from 50. I was Doubling your efforts. Can you do it again? Can the scarf double his scarf efforts going into season three? God, I hope not. That LAFCHQ, is... if you want to put this man in the poorhouse, and myself included, stop making so many cool, cool things. I, I actually turned down my first article of clothing. In the poorhouse. You, you, what article of clothing did you turn down? I didn't get in line for that black goalkeeper jersey. Yeah, you're going to be kicking yourself for that one that is a beautiful goalkeeper kit the black friday exclusive black goalkeeper kit so now there's that's three i believe that they've sold they've sold the yellow they've sold the the pink or the orange or the the salmon or whatever color that is and now the, <laughs> the black salmon a capistrano <laughs> so we've got a fun episode we are obviously going to be talking about the Concacaf champions league and our ooh, tough draw that we drew on television last night We've got some fun team news about one of our favorite people involved with LAFC. So happy to announce a couple of really cool things about LAFC, new player, a new award that LAFC has won. And I am excited, Philly, because we are going to kick it off with my favorite segment, of course, that is this day in LAFC history. Today is December 10th. December 10th is a big day in the history of LAFC because on December 10th, 2017, we acquired the rights to Walker Zimmerman for $250,000 in GAM, $250,000 in TAM. Shout out to our friend Vince LaRosa. And the number one allocation ranking spot in Major League Soccer for Walker Zimmerman. We're going to go through about five days worth of this day in LAFC history because, frankly, we don't know when we're going to record an episode again in the next week or so. On the 11th, just one day later, and likely the day that you'll be listening to this episode, December 11th, we traded Joao Moutinho to Orlando City and acquired Mohamed El Munir, an interesting swap of players that I myself, the scarf, was not happy about at first and have been nothing but impressed with Mohamed El Munir since. So that's the day we traded away Joao Moutinho and acquired Mohamed El Munir. On the 12th, the 12th is another big day in LAFC history, not just because on the 12th in 1995, it was Jordan Jones's birthday. Who the heck is Jordan Jones in black and gold history? He was a 2018 super draft pick, the 47th overall and never played for the black and gold. But also on that date in 2017, LAFC in the 2017 MLS expansion draft, of course, drafted Tyler Miller, Latif Blessing, Marco Ureña, and Yuka Raidala and Raheem Edwards, who were both later traded for the rights to Laurent Simon, our first captain and the general. And on that same day, one year later, after we acquired Marco Ureña, 
The Chicago Fire selected Marco Arena in the MLS waiver draft. So many cool things happening. Also on that date, by the way, in the waiver draft, we selected a gentleman by the name of Ricky Lopez Espen, formerly of Real Salt Lake. I remember him being on the roster for seven seconds or so. And on the 13th, I wanted to make sure I went through the 14th today. This is going to be fun. On the 13th, 2018, we exercised the purchase option for Edward Atuesta on loan. We signed him to a three-year deal, keeping him with LAFC through 2021. And finally, on the 14th, 2017, LAFC signs the man who scored the first goal against the Sounders as our second DP in team history in a transfer from Peñarol. More on them, hopefully, in the preseason. Diego Rossi became the second youngest designated player in Major League Soccer history when we signed him on the 14th. So, man, that's a lot of news about a lot of LAFC players. And, Philly, that is this day in LAFC history. That was definitely one of the longer ones, yep. but I loved it. A lot of things have happened. It, it's been a long off season. We've had massive LAFC withdrawal, massive to the point that a trip to free play, a glimpse of the bank, Several Julius Peppers, yes. more swag at HQ, have been unable to fill the void and longing for the tailgates of Christmas Tree Lane and the matches themselves. It's been fun to play fanboy as I watched my New York Islanders play in one of their best seasons that I could recall. It's been fun keeping up with the Indiana Hoosiers football and basketball. It's been fun getting up early on Saturday and Sunday and plopping myself on the couch to watch Premier League and Bundesliga. But quite frankly, at this point in our sports viewing lives, nothing can come close to the thrill of seeing all of your familiar faces and seeing our boys in the black and gold do LAFC things. Season's right around the corner. Scarf mentioned it earlier. We watched the CONCACAF Champions League draw yesterday, the one that was held in Mexico. We know who our opponent is and what our path in this tournament is. We know what, when, where, who, what, how next matches will be played for our young club. And we also know when our home opener is. That is why Scarf and I are here today. We wanted to talk about the draw. We wanted to talk about the CCL. We wanted to talk about the team we will play. We want to talk about some of the history itself. And I'll be honest, the only Champions League I could say that we ever cared about was the UEFA. Didn't have a care in the world or any frame of reference prior to the season. But with all the research Scarf and I have done for this episode, we came to the conclusion that we are beyond excited for this tournament. We learned a lot of cool facts about this tournament, Scarf. We learned a lot about the teams that are going to be in it, and we want to relay all that information over to you because we feel that it's important for all of you to know. You've already given us some updates in LAFC history. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into the CCL draw scarf? Yeah, real quick, you know, we've got a lot of different topics on hand, but one topic that you didn't mention that I know we're going to touch on here for just a quick second is the one-year anniversary of Defenders of the Bank. he read my mind. Very exciting times. December 5th, which was five days ago, was our official one-year anniversary, and we want to announce something quite fun. And real quick, want to give a shout-out to The Crew, one of our LAFC supporters groups. We love Hank and everybody over there at The Crew. I believe they are actually going to be hosting an event at the same time we are, and that's kind of fun. We're going to get to hang out with some members of LAFC Crew on December 20th. That is a black and gold Friday, just two Fridays from this week. Mark it on your calendars. That's right, on December 20th. Philly and I are going to be hosting the one-year anniversary party at Free Play LA above the fields, of course, next to Bank of California Stadium. We know that there will be a special on the official drink of the Defenders of the Bank podcast, Julius Peppers, all night. But the other couple of cool things I want to mention, and these actually tie in with each other quite nice. The crew are going to be having a toy drive that same day at Free Play LA. So if you're going to come out and have a drink or two with Defenders of the Bank, please also bring a toy or two or 70. It's benefiting the Think Watts Foundation, of course, started and promoted by Styx himself. We all know and love Styx. We are actually going to be having our pins for sale on that day as well. There'll be $10 black and gold Watts Tower pins. If you want to see the logo for the 
Think Watts Foundation. It is on the cruise website on that flyer. Looks really cool. And Philly, I'm excited. You don't have to say Julius Peppers to me twice to get me excited to go to Free Play LA, but we're going to be celebrating a one-year anniversary, Philly. Yeah, it's going to be me and you and the Panda and Scarfette. And at the very least... Julius Peppers and several of his identical twin brothers. Yes. At the very least. And of course the crew and Sticks and hopefully more of y'all out there because again, we turned one. We have a lot of fun. It's a Friday. Christmas is right around the corner. Julius Peppers on tap, on sale, the whole shebang. It'll be fun. And dude, it seems like only yesterday that you and I were huddled around a little omnidirectional microphone called <laughs> the Blue Yeti at what was to become Phila Monster Studios. Right. And and honestly, thank you for all you listeners out there. We certainly thank the millions and millions of defenders out there for helping us and making this show what it is today. We hope next season will be bigger, badder, and better than ever. Mark it on your calendars, December 20th at Free Play. Scarf and I hosting our party. Crew hosting their thing. Be there. Yeah, I want to get into a little bit of LAFC news and notes. And the first... You know, we sort of have a running joke where we mention somebody that's kind of a big deal and we say, thank you for listening. We know you're a big fan of the pod. But I can say without a doubt that at LAFC Larry, we do know that you listen to us and we appreciate and have appreciated your support from the beginning. Well, sir, a hearty and healthy and happy congratulations. Philly, kind of a big deal for Larry Friedman. MLS Executive of the Year. I mean, we all know we won on the pitch this season. We definitely won in the stands, but clearly our club wins in the front office as well. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Larry Friedman is an unbelievable part of the success of this club and one of the nicest guys that we had ever met. I want to say one of my favorite Larry stories is when we bumped into him at Iron Maiden. We were all so excited (laughs) and in such a good mood, making our funny little wrestling references and comments and jokes. It's always a pleasure to see you, Larry. Again, we do know you listen to the pod. Congratulations. Congratulations on this award. You deserve it. You rock, my friend. And if anybody wants to ever talk like the old school days, WWF wrestling, by the way, Larry is a fantastic person to have that conversation with. He's an old school guy just like us when it comes to wrestling. So again, huge congratulations. We saw you on TV there at the Champions League. Right next to the dude from Portmore United. Yeah, that was pretty cool. God, I wish we could have drawn Portmore United, but more on that later. (laughs) One other little bit of news and notes that was dropped today by LAFC. They have announced the signing of forward Danny Masovsky. Masovsky, just 24 years old and originally a member of the San Jose Earthquake System, played for Reno 1868 FC, which is in the USL. You know what? He was player of the week last year in USL for week 28, and he finished with 11 goals last season for Reno. And look, here's what I like about Musovski. He also played for a team in a division called the UPSL. He played for the Las Vegas Mobsters. That's pretty sweet, Philly. I like that a lot. Here's what I have to say real quick about this, and I mentioned it on Facebook once or twice. Look, everybody was saying, oh, my God, do we really need another forward? Look at all the money we're spending on this other forward. First of all, how much money are we really spending on a guy that played for Reno Reno 1868? Reno 911 FC. Right? Right? The other thing I have is this, though. We know that Diego Rossi will likely be playing for his national team for the first time. We know Brian Rodriguez has been absolutely killing it for his national team. He is scoring goals there. We know we lost Javi Perez. We lost Peter Lee Vassell. We never know the whereabouts of Fito Zelaya or Alejandro Guido. Those are all guys playing up front, by the way, that we could or could not have for the next course of our practices and getting ready for this Champions League draw. So we need attackers to help push our defense in practice and in preparing for this Champions League face-off that we've got coming up down in Guanajuato. But the other thing I have to say is this. Anybody remember Kevin Mendoza? A draft pick for us last year, scored a goal for Vissel Kobe, and then right after that game, right before the season, he got cut. He was clearly brought in to push our defenders in practice, to keep everybody honest up front, and you know what? Competition never hurts. What if this guy turns out to be another Adrian Perez or a Josh Perez, a diamond in the rough that we found? This could be a lot of fun, and look, everybody breathe. Everything will be fine. Yes, we signed a forward, and you know what? He's now part of the Black and Gold family for life. We saw that Sporting Kansas City signed Polito this season. And there was talk on the on the social medias about how come we couldn't sign him. Guys, 
we already have three designated players. Yep. Quite honestly, we have to hold steady until either Rodriguez or Rossi. We no Vale is not going anywhere. So until one of those three players are gone, we don't have space for a designated player. It doesn't matter if Messi is on the board. We can't get him on the team because we're already filled with designated player spots. So just wanted to throw that out there. As far as Danny's concerned, look, he, he can score goals. He clearly has a history of finding the back of the net. Yes, he did play for Reno 911 FC. Yes, he did play for the <laughs> University of Nevada, Las Vegas. This Las Vegas mobsters thing, though, is kind of interesting. It's a very clever name scarf. Yeah. Very clever in the sense that Bugsy Siegel, notorious mobster Bugsy Siegel, yes. even though the story is sensationalized, is somewhat credited for the creation of Las Vegas. Most certainly the Flamingo Hotel. If you're ever in Vegas, which I know a lot of you are, head towards the back, look for the Bugsy Siegel bust. He died there because, you know what, he racked up those bills in building that hotel, and Charles Lucky Luciano wasn't exactly too happy with his buddy. Neither was Meyer Lansky. These guys grew up together, but the Las Vegas mobsters, very, very intuitive name. You know what else I thought was kind of cool about our, our new player here, Danny? Nevada High School Gatorade Player of the Year at Liberty High School in Henderson, Nevada. By the way, the poor kid grew up in Henderson, Nevada. That is that is a hot, rough place to grow up. I'm sure he, he set, found nothing to do in the evening times. He set the state single-season record in high school, 58 goals in his senior season in high school. That's sick. 58 goals. I have trouble scoring 58 goals on easy mode with Messi in FIFA. He <laughs> did it in real life against other high school competition. Granted, Henderson, Nevada, sure. But the guy also, by the way, has a little bit of an LAFC tie in that he played for FC Tucson in USL League One, which, of course, is where our former black and gold members, Philip Ejimadu and Lamar Batista, God, that hurts. That's the first time I've said that. Former black and gold member, yeah. Philip Ejimadu no and Lamar Gustav. Batista. One other thing I want to mention, Philly, about LAFC news and notes. We know that the waiver draft and the free agent draft and all those different other weird drafts and signing periods have gone through. Nobody picked up Jordan Harvey. Nobody picked up Stephen Betashore. Nobody took a flyer on Danilo Silva. Or Dejan Yakovich. Or Dejan Yakovich. Excuse me. That Actually, it wasn't Danilo Silva. You're absolutely right. Dejan Yakovich. So those guys are still out there that we can still certainly bring back into the fold. And I definitely have a feeling, Philly, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I saw Jordan Harvey, for example, make that appearance just recently with Mark Anthony Kay at the 99 Cent Store event, they had the toy drive, which was fantastic. Um, I was able to go out there and say hi to the guys and shout out to everybody who else was there with Devo and Al and, and all the other people that we love. The LAFC force for good that we are in the community. It was a really cool event. Hundreds of toys donated. But I have a feeling, since we're seeing Jordan Harvey at those events, I just have a feeling that we're going to be bringing back Jordan Harvey at the very least. Of course, I, for one, hope they also bring back Stephen Betashore. Not sure what's going to happen with Danilo Silva, of course, of the back surgery and everything else. But it's going to be a lot of fun, this, this little bit of offseason, where we're going to sign a couple guys. And you know what? There might be some more Danny Masovskis happening before our official practices begin exactly we had ricky lopez espin we never brought him on we know kevin mendoza the guy who scored the fifth goal against Vissel kobe he didn't make it very long on, wow, on the roster that was a good job yeah that you like that thank you very much so yeah again he might be a practice player we definitely need a body we don't know what our roster is going to look like and quite honestly find that to be a, a great disadvantage we're going into a tournament in which you know we have teams that have you know been playing together we don't know if those rosters are going to be kept together but yeah right. i find that a massive disadvantage one other thing philly we want to mention in news and notes you sort of mentioned it i think at the top but we did not mention our first game of the season <laughs> and it will be a good reunion with one of our old friends i for one and i know you felt the same way philly was completely bummed when miami took Lee Wynn in the expansion draft, Inter-Miami CF, I believe is the official name for the whole franchise. But we don't have to wait very long to say hi to our old friend Lee Wynn because you mentioned it. MLS set their schedule for 2020 and our very first game, the very first game in the Flamingos history. Actually, they're Ibises. Ibises. Right, they're Ibises. That's yeah. what Sebastian of the U is. He's an Ibis. Yeah, my favorite USL team, Forward Madison. Those are the Flamingos, by the way. If you guys want to look up a fun color scheme and some cool jerseys, check out Forward Madison pink FC. Pink and blue, pink and blue, pink and blue. Also, by the way, again, shout out to Queensboro FC. We've got something to root for in Queens. But we don't have to wait very long for our reunion with Lee Wynn, Philly, Miami, 
Beckham comes to the bank on March 1st. Of course, Lee Wynn isn't going to go into the expansion draft and not get picked. Inter-Miami hired Paul McDonough away from Atlanta United. For those of you who don't know, he was like the John Thorrington for Atlanta United. He was instrumental in building that championship team. And bringing in Lee Wynn is another good reason as to why they hired Paul McDonough. Quite honestly, I don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't have a coach. They don't really have their designated player spots filled up. They don't really have a stadium that's built. By the way, they're not inter-Miami. They're inter-Fort Lauderdale for the next couple of seasons until they really secure (laughs) some land. What are they doing down there? Yes, Beckham is involved. Yes, there is support. Yes, the color scheme is dynamite. Yes, there's things brewing, but you get the feeling that maybe they were put together into this situation and forced to kind of do this a little too quickly. We saw how it worked with Atlanta United. We saw firsthand how it worked with LAFC. We knew what our team was. We knew who our coach was well before the season began. I don't get the feeling that Interfort Lauderdale has all that figured out yet. Who the heck is going to coach the team? But this isn't the Interfort Lauderdale podcast. This is Defenders of the Bank, not you Defenders there. of the Swamp. <laughs> And, Philly, here's the other thing that we also know. No matter what team they put out there on the pitch, they're going to be better than FC Cincinnati was their first year, too. Oh, without a doubt. But at least FC Cincinnati had something put together. They had a fan base. They put 30,000 people in Nightbird Stadium. Like, they had somewhat of a product. Yes, the talent on the pitch wasn't there, but they had a product. I don't know what to expect out of Inner Miami, other than the fact that they're, from what I hear, they're going to be bringing a lot of supporters to that opening game against the bank. The only thing I could tell you for certain about Inner Miami is that they're playing in Fort Lauderdale. They have Lee Wynn, and I love pink and black. There you go. I also deep-pocketed Jorge Mas is going to do some things with that team. We know that. They've been linked to, I don't know, every major player that has had any MLS inkling from Edinson Cavani to Luis Suarez to, yes, the Lionel Messi. And I don't think any of those players are coming over this first year But I know that whoever they do bring in, it's going to be a big splash, and it's going to be fun. Another big splash, though, Philly, the seamless transition that I'm trying to make here, is the fact that two teams are making their maiden voyages into the CONCACAF Champions League for the very first time, your former NYCFC and our current future past Siri's on. Do you want to shut her up? Okay. Are we Sorry. Good? All right. Shut up, Siri. Shut up. Two teams are going to be making their maiden voyage into the CONCACAF Champions League draw. The NYCFC fighting blue shirts. And, of course, <laughs> the black and gold. LAFC making our first foray into the CONCACAF Champions League. And, Philly, I got to be honest, I was super excited watching the draw at home. Learned how the draw went. That was fun to watch, to see DeMarcus Beasley out there, former legend. Didn't know he spoke such good Spanish, by the way. That was pretty cool. And as I'm watching, you know, I got excited. And I'm going to take, this is Scarf talking here, I'm going to take a lot of grief from our Liga MX fans right now because as I'm watching, there were eight teams in pot two that we could have faced. And the only thing I said was, all right, there are eight teams we had a one in five chance of having to play Leon. And I said, okay, as long as it's not Leon, I'm going to feel really, really good about things. And the draw went on. And I was bummed when it couldn't be Portmore because that meant we couldn't go to Jamaica for an away days game. I was bummed when Saprissa, Olympia, Motagua, all these other fantastic teams in countries that I had never been to before were off the board. And it was just... Your NYCFC, your former team, and us, LAFC, left in the draw. And I said, okay. They pulled the last non-Liga MX team because Leon could not play against the other three Liga MX teams. And okay, if they just put him in B4, we get to go to a country that I had never been to before. But Philly, CONCACAF Champions League, who did we get? All because I think I said I didn't want them. We got Leon. We got the toughest draw, Philly, in the CONCACAF Champions League by far. I'm not bummed about it. I don't know why you're bummed about it. Because quite frankly, if we can knock out the toughest draw in our 
way, it's then, only going to make things easier. Look, every team that we're going to face from here on out isn't going to be easy. This tournament wasn't going to be easy. If you want to proclaim yourself as a mighty lion, I would rather slave mighty lions than slay weak and crippled ones. Now, that's not what I'm using to describe the other teams weak wow. and crippled because that would be wrong. But Leon is certainly not Alianza. Leon is certainly not... Uh, any of the other clubs. I mean, Leon, yes, is the toughest matchup. And you know what? That proves our talent on the global scale. If we can take a team like that and do something on the road and win at the bank. And quite frankly, if that's as far as we get beating them, making it to the next round where we would have the winner of Cruz Azul and Portmore United, I think it is a major, major statement to come out of the CONCACAF Champions League beating such a tough team. Quite honestly, I'm excited about this matchup. And I think everybody out there should be as well. Strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Philly, you were talking about how you and I have done a ton of research going into this because you are absolutely right. Up until about five or six days ago when we really started our deep dive into all of this, neither you nor I had ever watched a CONCACAF Champions League draw a game or very much else to be perfectly honest and I I know the reason why you had not ever seen it before is because NYCFC had not been involved until this year as well and I I honestly I've said this over and over and over again while I was a fan of the Sounders and I had been to a few games I had no real tie to any MLS team I've been to a bunch of Galaxy games before LAFC started too so I was here to watch the sport couldn't really care less about CCL But this season changed everything. And Philly, you did a bunch of really cool research on the origin of the CONCACAF Champions League and the cup that goes with it. Why don't you tell our Defenders listeners out there a little bit about how all this got started before I introduce them to Leon? Absolutely. I think it's very important for us to know the history of the tournament. We love the game. We love what's going on. We want to be fans. To me, it's important to be a knowledgeable fan because when you get into debates with other fans, if you're knowledgeable, that makes your arguments that much easier. I knew nothing about this Champions League. Zip, zilch, nada, but now I feel that I have mastered some of the nuances of it. I'm not going to say I am a master's degree graduate in any of this, but I certainly know a lot more. Again, the only Champions League I ever cared about happened in Europe. The only leagues I ever cared about, quite honestly, were in England and Germany and Spain and to a lesser extent Italy. Shout out Vince LaRosa. But the CONCACAF Champions League, a little briefer for all of you who don't know if you guys do out there listening do know everything this might be the time where you want to go into the kitchen and start making some food but for those of you who don't know (laughs) here it is it is an annual competition for the top clubs in North America Central America and the Caribbean it first got started in the year 1962 coincidentally the same year as our New York Metropolitan 28 different clubs have won this tournament with 17 of them having done it multiple times Mexican clubs have no doubt been the most successful capturing 34 titles Club America the most successful club in this tournament has 7 titles followed by Cruz Azul with 6 titles Surpresa, surprising Surpresa of the Costa Rican Primera Division is the most successful non-Mexican club with 3 titles Now, the current champions are Monterey. They have four titles. The winners of the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League will qualify for the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup, which is in Qatar. That would be awesome. Monterey are the title holders, but they did not qualify for this tournament, and they are unable to defend their title. Toronto in 2018 had the best performance in the CCL's current format as an MLS club. They lost to Guadalajara 4-2 on penalties after both clubs drew even at 3-3. Prior to that, Real Salt Lake and the Montreal Impact have also reached the finals, losing to Monterey in 2011 and Club America in 2015. Now, 2018, the CCL format was changed to eliminate group play. We're pretty much in knockout stages. Right now, there's 16 teams. It's a knockout tournament running from February to May. Teams play a home and an away match with the aggregate score being the main factor. If tied, away goals are the deciding factor. That's pretty much how it goes. Now, as far as qualifications are concerned, we've seen this. 16 teams participate. Nine from North America. 
Four U.S., one Canada, four Mexican. One Caribbean. Six total clubs from Central America. The Mexican qualifiers are typically the winners and the runners-up of the Apertura and the Clausura. For those of you who don't know, Liga MX has two seasons. I learned that recently. I didn't know. Yeah. Apertura, which runs from July to December, and Clausura from January to May. U.S. qualifiers, the way U.S. teams get in, you either win the MLS Cup, which in this case is Seattle. You win the Supporters' Shield. LAFC. That was us. You are the other regular season conference winner, NYCFC. And you are the winner of the Open Cup, Atlanta United. A Canadian team occupies a spot as well. Hey. And there's really only three of them that go forward, and that's really Toronto, Montreal, or the Vancouver Whitecaps. I was about to call them the Grizzlies, but we know that's not the case. That's how it works. Or any UFC team, UFC, or any U.S.-based team that qualifies for the Champions League by more than one method, the Champions League placed is allocated to the U.S.-based team with the best MLS regular season record, which has failed to otherwise qualify. Now, that's how that part works. The Caribbean zone, one team from the Caribbean Football Union qualifies directly to the Championship League. This berth goes to the winners of the CFU Club Championship, which in this case is the Jamaica team, Portmore United. And the CONCACAF League, this is an interesting one. The final six berths are awarded to the top six placed teams in CONCACAF League. 22 teams participate in this tournament, ladies and gentlemen. 18 from Central America. Three berths each from Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, Panama, El Salvador. Two from Nicaragua and one from Belize. Three from the Caribbean zone. And then the way it works, the runners-up, third place and fourth place, the playoff winner from the CFU Club Championship, and one from the Canadian, which we already talked about. That is how your teams got to where they got to. Mentioned it earlier. Go through it really, really quickly. Atlanta United, U.S. Open Cup. Club America, 2018 Operatura Champions, Cruz Azul, 28 Operatura Runners-Up, LAFC Supporter Shield, Montreal Impact, Canadian Club Winners, NYCFC Eastern Conference Champ, Seattle Sounders, MLS Cup Winners, Tigres, 2019 Clausura Champions, Pot 2, 80 San Carlos, Costa Rica, 2019 CONCACAF Best Ranked Losing Quarterfiles, this is where it starts to get funny, Alianza made it because they made it to the quarterfinals of that tournament, Comunicaciones, they were sixth overall from that. They were quarterfinalists. Club Leon, they were the 2019 Clausura runners-up. Motagua, 2019 CONCACAF runners-up, second overall. Olympian Honduras, semifinalists, third overall. Portmore United, we already told you how they qualified. 2019 CONCACAF Caribbean Club champs. And Deportivo Sorpresa from Costa Rica, the 2019 CONCACAF League champs, first overall. Wow. And Hi. that is how your team's qualified for this tournament. Hi, I'm the Scarf. Remember me? I'm also part of this podcast, and I'm going to tell you about Leon. Yeah, please do, because I am knackered. So here's the thing. We could have drawn any of those other seven teams that are not Leon. In the middle of their season is when we will play Leon. They'll start the Clausura in January. This tournament will be held in February, and they will be in full sort of, mid-season form. They'll have their roster already rounded out. They'll have been through practices. They'll have been through games. And they will actually take a break in their season to be able to play in this tournament. So that's why I think this is a little bit more scary of a draw. The other reason, personally, why I think this is a little bit more scary of a draw is because of the rich history of Leon, founded in 1944, 75 years ago. And they, of course, are based in Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico. They play in Estadio Leon, 31,297 seats, of which about 30,000 of those will be taken up by black and gold faithful <laughs> when we go down there to play our first game in CONCACAF Champions League. And the cool part that I don't think a lot of people realize, this is our first ever game on international soil. Yes, we've played in Canada. Top yes, we've played in the United States, but we have never played a game on international soil. And this is going to be pretty cool. Okay. We get to go down to Mexico. This is our first real international game that has consequences. We've played Borussia Dortmund. We've played Vissel Kobe, two teams that it's been a lot of fun to go see them play, but you know what? We walked into Bank of California Stadium knowing that those were friendlies. This game down in Estadio Leon, it's for real. And what's really cool, we're going to get to go to a stadium in Estadio Leon that has hosted World Cup matches twice, yep. 1970, 1986, and they have hosted some great 
teams. They've hosted Germany. They've hosted England. They've hosted Belgium. This is a stadium that's seen some stuff, man. Really, really cool. Leon has won seven total Liga MX titles, with the most recent being the Apertura in 2013 and the Clausura in 2014. They've also won five Copa MX titles. They now it used to be called the Mexico Cup, but it's now the Copa MX Cup, and they have won. Actually, that's redundant, right? Copa MX Cup. That's Cup MX Cup. Okay, good job, JR. They actually became the first Mexican Campeonissimo in 1949 when they won the league and the Mexico Cup in the same year. But you know what, Philly? They don't have a deep and storied CONCACAF Champions League history. They actually have one of their worst losses in team history to a team that you mentioned earlier, Deportivo Saprissa. They lost the final in 1993 to them, and it was a huge upset. And this was back when they played two legs for the final. They also qualified in 1998, but lost in the semifinal. So Leon, what makes matters even worse is this is a team that wants to prove itself on the world stage. We know how seriously Liga MX takes this tournament. They have won, what, the last, I think it was 18 times or something like that. Liga MX has absolutely dominated this tournament in the CONCACAF region. And while LAFC are really hoping to make a deep run, Philly, one of the things that we know about our draw in this tournament, it is very likely that we will play Cruz Azul if we move on after this round. What, because, no Portmore United? I, You know what? There's nothing I would love more. And again, my apologies to our Cruz Azul fans out there because I know there are a bunch, but I would love for nothing more than for the massive underdog Portmore United team, which, by the way, Alvis Powell, former FC Cincinnati player, now I believe on Nashville, has some Portmore United ties. Yes. I would love for that to be the case. I don't think that's going to be the case. So very likely, if we get past the hardest draw in the first round, we get Cruz Azul, who are just as difficult, if not a tougher draw, than Leon. And then after that, it's very likely we could get a team like Club America or Atlanta, of course, of MLS, where you have a team like the Seattle Sounders or you have a team like Montreal Impact who have the potential to draw each other in the next round and not have to play a Liga MX team until I believe at least the semis, if not the final. So we definitely got the toughest draw out of the mix there. It is our first time, though, in CONCACAF Champions League. Philly, unfortunately, and this is a definite first world problem that you're having to face here, where will you be during the CONCACAF Okay, now hold on. I started to mention this, and his shoulders just drooped right now. Like, he's genuinely a little upset at having to miss the CONCACAF Champions League. But it's not like you're going to be stuck in some boardroom meeting and you can't go because you can't get out of work. Where are you going to be? I'm really going to sound like a pretentious jerk. Yes, you are. When I when I mention this right now. Yes, so, you are. My wife's birthday happens to fall in February. So... <clears throat> what I end up doing for Christmas is her Christmas present slash Valentine's present slash birthday present typically all falls into one, and it, for the last several years, has been a trip in February. I don't like buying my wife things. I don't like buying her shoes. I don't like buying her handbags. I don't like buying her jewelry. The only type of clothing that she will wear that I buy is typically like a pair of like running shoes and a pair of like Lululemon, like... Like yoga pants. Maybe an LAFC jersey. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. So, you know what I did? I thought I would do my Christmas shopping early this year. This was before anything got announced. You did good. I found round-trip tickets to Rome for nothing. I paid more money to get to New York than I did for these tickets to Rome. And so, unfortunately... Boo-hoo. Yeah, I'm going to be in Italy while all of you are in Mexico and at the bank. I've missed one LAFC game in my lifetime, and that was the loss against Minnesota United at the bank where the hashtag Blame Philly so was So excited to bring born. that back. Yeah, well, no, you're not because we're going to we're gonna win. We're going to win. No, we are totally going to win, but still I'm going to find a way to work the hashtag Blame y- Philly back because yeah. you're not going to be there. Yeah, you're going to have to find another guest to run this one. Um, <laughs> I'm really bummed. I, when, I, when I heard this, I really thought there was a chance that, you know, 18 through the 20th, there might be something we'd, we'd get to be at home. I don't know why I thought that. Again, my tickets were purchased. I'll be in Rome 
At an AS-Roma match on February 23rd against Lecce. That's kind of cool, but Wah. I'd rather be watching You LAFC. are going to get to see AS-Roma, which is going to be awesome. And which, by the way, I don't know if I've technically announced this on the podcast or not, but the Scarf has a goal in 2020. And I've talked about this with Philly. We're going to do everything we can to make it happen. Now, keep in mind, this I'm only counting professional clubs when I say this, but my goal to become a more learned soccer football follower around the world my goal in 2020 is to see 100 different professional football clubs, soccer clubs, in the whole year. 2020, 100 clubs. Yes, teams like FC Tucson or when Galaxy 2 plays Phoenix Rising and we go hang out with our buddy Steve and Kara and everybody in Phoenix, we're going to go ahead and count those teams. So I know Phoenix Rising, FC Tucson, Galaxy 2, whomever else. I know they're not on par with, let's say, the Manchester Uniteds of the world, <laughs> but they count as professional clubs. 100 clubs in 365 days, kicking off January 1st. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be seeing a lot of posts about that on at LAFC underscore the scarf on Instagram. If you're not following me, follow me at LAFC underscore the scarf. Philly is at Philomonster35. Yeah, is that I right? Think, yeah. I think. Philomonster35. I'm no longer 35. So make sure you follow that. that Philomonster40 next year. Ugh. Yeah, you're going to have to change your Instagram handle at that point. That's kind of funny. And then, of course, if you're not following us, by the way, on Facebook and Instagram at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. But, of course, a lot of you guys already know that already. But it's going to be a lot of fun. 100 clubs in 365 days. Philly, back to Leon. I've already got a favorite player on Leon. I did not know who William Yarbrough was <laughs> before we drew Leon. And to be honest, with the amount of playing time that he gets, Leon doesn't really know who William Yarbrough is either. He not is this from, past season anyway. He is from Aguas Calientes, Mexico. I know he sounds like an American guy. <laughs> William he looks like a Paul Viking. Yarbrough story is a Mexican-born American soccer player who plays as a goalkeeper, sort of, for, of course, Liga MX Team Club Leon. And for, at times, different levels of the United States national team. But that's not why he's my favorite player. Philly, in 1989, he was lucky enough to be born on the same day as the scarf, March 20th. We share a birthday, the backup goalie for Leon and I, both born on March 20th. And that's the only reason why I'm going to hope that it's William Yarbrough that starts against us and not their starting goalie, who we are going to talk about a little bit on the roster here of Club Leon. Well, what I was going to say is there's probably something you and William Yarbrough are going to have in common throughout the duration of the first round. The number of minutes we play for our respective teams? Yeah, pretty much. You yes. took the words right out of my mouth. Love but yeah, it. I mean, yeah, we, Leon is really stacked. You don't need us to tell you that. They are a club that typically uses a 4-2-3-1 formation. What they won't have going into the CCL, though, is the presence of J.J. Macias. In the rumor mill, he was linked to coming to the MLS. In the rumor mill, he was linked to coming to LAFC. In the rumor mill, God was supposed to be on, on Bob Bradley's roster, too, but th that never happened. He was on loan to Leon from Chivas. The deal to keep him in Leon fell through, and he is going back to his club, possibly going to Europe. He was their one. He was their striker. He was one of their leading scorers. He netted himself eight goals this past season. And the fact that he did that at the age of 20, given that responsibility, for Leon speaks volumes to his talents. Now, I don't know much about Liga MX. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But the one thing I keep hearing from different people and different articles that I read is, being that there's two seasons, being that each team faces the uh, every team in the league just once, every game is important, there never really is a development for young players due to the fact that this is how it's set up. I don't know if this is true or not. It's just what I've heard during my research. And if you have a 20-year-old, as a striker for one of these big clubs, a club that finished in second place, by the way, in the Apertura, that speaks volumes. Ismael Sosa, another player, I think uh, he's on loan from Tigres. We, who knows if he's going to feature on this roster. So while we are not 100% certain of who LAFC is going to put on the pitch, I could tell you that one of Leon's leading scorers will not likely, not what likely, he will not be featured. 
But that doesn't mean that they don't have other players to watch out for, Scarf. Well, you know what, though, Philly, one thing that we talk about, too, you mentioned it, kind of how we have our three DP slots filled already with Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, and Carlos Vela. And by the way, quick shout out to Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi. Number four, Brian Rodriguez, and number one, Diego Rossi, in Major League Soccer's top 22 players under the age of 22. But when they lose that player that you were just talking about there, they're going to have a big slot open up on that team. So who knows who they could bring in between then and now. And it's got to be more enticing knowing that you could potentially come in for a team and make a huge impact in the CONCACAF Champions League. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens there. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing who we can learn about that they're going to bring in. It's been a lot of fun learning about this team, Club Leon, and it's going to be... It's going to be tough. Now, they've got a couple of really good players. that They have Angel Israel Mena Delgado, 31-year-old Ecuadorian. He only scored eight goals this last season for Leon. He does have four caps with the Ecuadorian national team. Last season, he had 14 goals. So he's, he's definitely a dangerous player. It's going to be a lot of fun watching him. And Victor Israel Sosa, an Argentinian, 32 years old. That's the other thing that I was looking at too, Philly. A lot of teams in Liga MX, especially kind of towards the the bottom and the middle of the pack, I was looking at this when I was researching them, they have predominantly Mexican players. They'll bring in a player or two or three internationally, but predominantly Mexican players. That is not the case at all for Leon. They've got a Chilean player up front, a Costa Rican international up front. They've got some solid, solid players from all over, not just North and Central America, but South America as well. And it's going to be a really interesting draw. You know, there is one player that I know you wanted to talk about, Philly, Joel Campbell, Costa Rican international, who spent time at Arsenal and Villarreal, but he was part of a pretty big controversy involving U.S. men's national teamer Matt Beisler. Oh, yes. If you are a fan of the U.S. men's national team, you will remember that fateful September in 2013 when his dive, his dive in which Bessler received a yellow card and was suspended, caused a massive, massive controversy. It was... What one would argue is pathetic, cynical, disgraceful, and several other adjectives that we can use, but not so much because we are a family-friendly podcast. Yes, that Joel Campbell, that Costa Rican international, that guy in 2013, he took the dive. Blech. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, too, about <laughs> yeah? Club Leon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they are just about as tough to play at Estadio Leon as we are at Bank of California Stadium. Once last season, during the regular season, is how many times they lost. Once. Now, of course, you had mentioned, though, Philly, last season in the quarterfinals, when it mattered most, they also lost. But we're talking about a team that lost twice in an entire season at home. And we get to go down there in not quite midseason form, not even quite preseason form, to be perfectly honest. Now, teams that are playing in the CONCACAF Champions League do get to start their practices and their preseason 11 days earlier than the other teams in Major League Soccer. So that equals, what, 10 practices, I would guess, maybe, that we'll have before then. And they have to get two days in. And again, look, we know looming out there on the horizon is the potential sale of Diego Rossi to one of these big clubs in Europe in the 10 to $14 million range is what we've heard. And that would be a huge deal for LAFC to be able to sell a player for that much money. I'm hoping it doesn't happen before CONCACAF Champions League. I'm thinking that LAFC might have to wait a little bit and try and replace Diego Rossi midseason, sell him at a different transfer window if we can. But at the same time, if a team decides, look, he's the, the last piece to help push us over the top in a race against relegation or in a race to get top four in whatever league they're in, it could be really interesting. They could make LAFC an offer they can't refuse. Then we could also, by the way, be having to acclimate a new DP into one of these slots. Here's the other thing that a lot of people aren't talking about. We're going to have a full season, it looks like, potentially, with Tristan Blackman as a starter. We are going to have a full season, it looks like, potentially, with Diego Palacios as a starter. We are going to have a healthy 
Mohamed El Munir starting in our roster as maybe the fifth player on defense for us. We already know who our starting midfield is going to be. There's no question mark like there was going into last season. Will it be Lee Wynn or Latif Blessing? Can you imagine if Lee Wynn had stayed healthy? We might not have seen the emergence of Latif Blessing that we did. We are going to have, at least right now, a full season of Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, and Carlos Vela up front. But who are we going to have in goal? We all know that Cisniego will have, but Tyler Miller to Portland? Yeah, no, that we don't have a backup that, keeper. That, that didn't happen. Tyler Miller, at least as of yet, is not going to Portland. And by the way, there are still several starting goalkeeping jobs available. We know that Luis Robles is off the board. That was a name that a lot of LAFC fans had wanted to see. Luis Robles, though, 35 years old. So he might be a starting caliber goalkeeper for maybe another two, three, four, five years. Of course, don't tell that to guys like Timmy Howard and Casey Keller and some of the other great U.S. goalkeepers. Nick Ramondo. Nick Ramondo has not been a great U.S. keeper, though, for <laughs> quite some That's time. True. But he has been a U.S. keeper. He has been a U.S. keeper. That is true. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what some of these teams decide to do. But I'm looking forward to it. Look, either way, we are going to be, I say we, meaning Nina and I, are likely going to be <laughs> in Guanajuato to watch that game as part of the millions. And not me, but other millions. Of LAFC fans are going to be down there in Leon watching our first international game. We're excited for this CONCACAF Champions League tournament because you know what? It's the first time that LAFC is going to be able to try and prove themselves on the international stage. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I know, Philly, you're hoping we make it past Leon as well. Yeah, so I'm we, opting into my tickets with that hope. Yeah, that's absolutely. We, we all have opted in to our tickets. I know for LAFC members, they had the tickets go on sale today. They go on sale to the general public tomorrow. So if you have not yet bought your tickets. Hopefully you're hearing this before these tickets go on sale to the general public tomorrow, the 11th, but they did go on sale the 10th today. So buy your tickets. They're really not too expensive, by the way, No, not, uh, not for really. a game at Bank of California Stadium. That's going to be a lot of fun. Philly, I'm looking forward to this. I know you're not going to be there, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, without a doubt. I'm hoping that we're going to see Cruz Azul in the next round. Actually, I don't even care who we see in the next round. I just want there to be a next round. One last thing I want to mention about Leon in terms of statistics. Another player to watch out for, uh, Luis Montes, their captain. Solid season, five goals to the stat sheet. Now, Scarf. Yes. This is a team, when they score, 65% of the time, Leon scores in the second half. Yes. If we can somehow get past... The 65th minute, we might actually have a shot at at least coming out of a game with a draw. They really score around that time period. If our defenders, you mentioned Tristan Blackman, Diego Palacios, can hold down that front line. And quite honestly, I don't know who that front line's going to be, but Scarf, 11, four out of the top 11 goal scorers this past season in Liga MX were Leon players. Yeah. But we don't know how many of those guys are still going to be on the roster. It's going to be interesting. I'm saying all these fantastic statistics as if I'm going to be going down to Mexico with y'all. <laughs> Regrettably, I am not. Again, first world problems. I'm going to be in Italy seeing a Serie A match. Happy birthday, happy Valentine's, and Merry Christmas to you, Panda. Yeah, whatever. Um, you love bummed. her very much. You know the other thing that I, I kind of just thought about, too, uh, by the way? What up? We talked about the goalkeepers. Yeah, well, kind Pablo of. Pablo sure. Cisniega. Yes. From Mexico City, Mexico. This could be a huge tournament for him if he can stand on his head and do some things for LAFC. If he is our starting keeper going into the season, you're talking about a lot of eyes that are going to be watching these Liga MX teams, including that of the coaches of the Mexican national team. Now, look, we all know Ochoa is everything. Back there in goal for Mexico. <laughs> Just ask the Germans. Right. But he's not getting any younger. And this could be a good thing for Pablo Cisniega as well to be able to make a little bit of an impact in the eyes of the Mexican national team. That could be interesting. Something to watch us play out over the course of this tournament could be how Pablo Cisniega plays and if that has any impact on him making any type of headway on the Mexican national team. 
But I will have a cautionary tale for you, Pablo. Our goalkeeper before you, someone who you know very, very well, Tyler Miller. He caught the eye of the U.S. national team, was called in, and then for literally a month did nothing but train with the team, did not see game action. And that is kind of where we look at a point where Tyler had it a little rougher after that stretch. Now look, this is again the scarf talking here. I love to put my name behind all my comments. I'm a team Tyler guy. I love Tyler Miller. I think Tyler Miller's done a lot of great things for us. And he has won well over, I believe, 80% of his starts as a black and gold goalkeeper. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. At least 80% this last year in 2019. I'll have to go back and see 2018 once again. I'm on team Tyler. But it doesn't matter what team I'm on. If management has decided Pablo is the way to go, we got to get behind him. And I think it'd be a lot of fun for him to impress the brass at Liga MX and the Mexican national team. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. A lot of uncertainty in the roster. Obviously, as we get closer to this tournament, we're going to have more certainty. I don't think we're going to get rid of Diego Rossi or Brian Rodriguez. This $30 million rumor to Napoli seems crazy, but Jesus. A bunch of people have said this before. Who's going to say no to $30 million? Smackers. I would not. No, I wouldn't say no to $30 at this point. (laughs) Spent too much money on LAFC jerseys. Real quick, by the way, breaking news on LAFC HQ's Instagram. If you are headed to LAFC HQ over the next four or five days to buy Christmas presents, um, don't. They're closed from the 11th to the 15th of December. They are closed for the next five days. So if you're headed down to LAFC HQ, um, turn around. They're closed. Well, that's going to save me a couple of bucks. I know that for sure. Yeah, but it also means you have fewer shopping days, by the way, to get your loved one that LAFC jersey that will likely be on sale. Those travel jackets, by the way, with the little YouTube patch on the left side there that are super comfy that both you and I like very much. Those are 40% off right now at LAFC HQ. Absolutely. All right. I mean, that pretty much concludes what we got with the, the CCL. It was really cool seeing Rich and seeing... Seeing Larry on the TV. Oh, yeah. That it was, was awesome. really cool. I mean, dude, we're on a global scale. Again, a couple of years ago, we were a hole in the ground. Literally. Actually, I almost mentioned that, by the way, just a couple days after. If we would have gone a little bit farther in this day in LAFC history, the first concrete was poured at Bank of California Stadium like four years ago. The concrete to our stadium, to our cathedral, the hollowed ground, the Church of the Black and Gold. Bank of California Stadium, the first concrete was only poured four years ago, and here we are now in the CONCACAF Champions League. This Amazing. is pretty cool. No, it really is. I mean, it's a testament to all the hard work that the front office has put in. It's a testament to the hard work that Bob and the players have put in. It's it's unbelievable that we're in this tournament, and I'm really excited to watch it. And you know what? Even if LAFC doesn't make it past the second or third round, which I am confident that they will get to. I'm still going to stick around and watch it. I am going to be forever a fan of the CONCACAF Champions League. And if anything, that opened our eyes, our ignorant eyes, Scarf, to another unbelievable tournament happening pretty much in our backyard. I'm super stoked. I hope I'm going to find a way to watch this while I am overseas. I'd love to... My fantasy would be being in some like fun little Italian pub drinking Peronis and having shots of limoncello while watching LAFC score by the bedunkel amounts on Leon. That is, again, my little pipe dream. But I don't see why it couldn't happen. I'm excited. Scarf's excited. A lot of you are excited. The only thing that we need to be wary of on December 31st, I'm sorry, on January 31st, the collective bargaining agreement for Major League Soccer expires. I don't think... Scarf doesn't think, I would say most people who are in their right mind don't think that it's going to be an issue. But if agreements aren't reached and the players go on strike, newsflash, we won't have any teams playing in the CCL and we won't be playing in the home opener on March the 1st. It came close to the point a couple of years ago in which the players did strike and there was a resolution right before the season got started. Just keep that in mind. We don't have all the info. A lot of that information is going to come up. So hopefully everybody who bought tickets on airplane rides to go down to that game, hopefully you're going to get to see a match. But at the very least, if you don't, you'll have a nice little vacation. Yeah, you know, it's something to think about. With this collective bargaining agreement expiring on January 31st, two things that are definitely on the table. 
there is a ton of money swirling around in Major League Soccer now. There is no reason why the salary cap should not at least double, if not more, during this next collective bargaining agreement session. And the other thing, and you've heard Wayne Rooney talk about it, you've heard the former Carson Lyon, Zlatan Ibrahimovic talk about it, but flights, travel accommodations, these have to improve. And those are two things that are at the forefront of the discussion for a new collective bargaining agreement. And Philly, I know you're pretty optimistic about this not causing any issues with CONCACAF Champions League, but I'm going to take the other side of it for now and say that if there's been any time in Major League Soccer Players Association's history where they can dig their heels in a little bit and really go for something, it's in this collective bargaining agreement. There is money to be had out there, and frankly, it is embarrassing that players like Latif Blessing start out last season making $77,000 a year. It's embarrassing that players like Tyler Miller, who is a starting caliber goalie in Major League Soccer, is making the paltry amount that he did last year. It's embarrassing. And it's why a lot of better players are not coming to Major League Soccer. So if salary is an issue, I think the players should dig in their heels and get what they can get because this is the time for them to take a stand. But it's going to be interesting. I agree. I still think that the players are going to get what they want. I I think it's going to happen. MLS would be foolish to not give in somewhat to the players' demands. Could you imagine what an absolute travesty it would be to not have any team in the CONCACAF Champions League? Could you imagine what a travesty it would be for like the season to like not kick off on February the 29th? It would be utterly ridiculous. I do agree with you. I think the players have a lot more leverage this way, and I really think that they're going to get what they want. And Hopefully, because we got a, we got foosball to watch, man. Absolutely. One last thing we want to talk about in MLS news that I think we forgot to mention earlier. We know that Nashville and Interfort Lauderdale CF <laughs> are going Agnuses. to be starting play this next season. They announced that the Interfort Lauderdales are going to be playing in the Eastern Conference, as they should, because they are located all the way across the country in beautiful sort of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Fort Lauderdale is pretty. It's, it's just not close to Miami. Yeah, it's like 30, 40 miles away. it's also where everybody goes to retire, I think, too, right? Yes. That, that and St. Petersburg, right? Those are the two cities where Boca. goes to retire. Don't forget about Boca. But Nashville. Nashville Great town. is nowhere near most of the teams in the Western Conference. Nowhere near. And yet, for at least next season, and we are hearing some substantiated rumors that this is just for next season, Nashville will be playing in the Western Conference, which you know what that means, Philly. Away days, Nashville. I'm not mad at it, but there is one thing you didn't mention. We're not going to actually play every single team. Yeah, it's going to be a very different supporter shield next year in Major League Soccer. There will be three, I believe is the number of teams, three teams in the Eastern Conference next year that LAFC will not be playing. So I know in your eyes, Philly, this kind of cheapens the supporter shield a little bit. Oh, without a doubt. If we're not playing every team, how can we claim that we're the best team if we don't play and get the opportunity to beat every team? And I can't imagine I'm alone in thinking this way. I'm sure there's plenty others that think the watering down or the bastardization of the supporter shield isn't ridiculous. I'm right there with you, buddy. Look, it's going to be a fun season no matter what, though. We know we'll have away days in Nashville, which will be great. Of course, the following season, we get the start of FC Broccoli. (laughs) We'll be able to go to Austin FC. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, calling them FC Broccoli, please look up their logo. Please look up their logo. It is only, though, the second worst logo in Major League Soccer. Can we just have a very quick moment of silence for all of the Chicago Fire fans and what they have to endure in the Space Invaders, I guess, inspired, maybe Asteroids inspired, the the disaster of a logo redesign that Chicago Fire have gone through at the start of this season. It is going to be rough. I know I've got a few friends on the internet that are Chicago Fire fans and people are boycotting buying new jerseys, 
all kinds of stuff. And that is not the way you want to start if you're a new ownership there, which they do have a new ownership group. They're going to be moving back to Soldier Field, playing in a better location. But man, that logo is just hideous. And Philly. What Christmas like movie was it in which there was like an abominable snowman who had a crown? That's that's what I think of when I when I see that. Yeah, logo. it's really really bad. Not a moment of silence. We need a moment of laughter. I mean, it's <laughs> it's such a stupid logo. It, it is bad. And the worst part that I think about the logo is the redesign took away one of the primary elements of the Chicago Fire logo, which was an homage to the Chicago Fire Department. It had less to do with the great Chicago Fire that was famous and way more to do with the Fire Department, the first responders who put their lives on the line every single day. And of course, they could care less, apparently, in whatever company that they use to redesign the logo of Chicago Fire. And I think now they're also Chicago Fire FC or something like that, too. Whatever. So, so they changed their, their name, their logo. Uh, that's a, a, a big two thumbs down from Scarf and Philly. As Randy Newman in the song I Love L.A. says, Let's leave Chicago to the Eskimos. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that sounds a little bit too rugged. For me and you, babe. <laughs> and on the next episode, Philly sings the hits. All right. So we, again, we, we really appreciate all of our listeners. We hope to see you guys out there on December 20th. Again, bring some toys for the cruise toy drive as well. We've got a couple more fun things planned for this off season, but before you know it, it's going to be time for practices to start CONCACAF Champions League games and March 1st, enter Miami CF at Bank of California Stadium. This, of course, has been another great episode of Defenders of the Bank, and you know how we like to end it all. Bye-bye.